Blog Talk Radio. Hey, if you're looking for informative educational radio and not the same bumble for hours about non-related sports issues, then Sports Beat, your alternative, is next as part of Mountain Meadow Productions, talking about real sports and real educational values on sports. Stay tuned. and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spoolis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this 23rd day of September, 2022, Friday, as we approach the uh, last week or so of September. And, of course, yesterday was the first autumnal equinox. And if you're not sure here in the Northeast... If you woke up this morning, it was about 48, 50 degrees. And so the first day, full day of fall was uh, somewhat humid. And today it sounds and feels like fall. So, so glad you could be with us today on another segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports. And I want to bring back uh, some memories of a particular athlete. Our show today is Olympian Mark Spitz. Then and now. You know, I I actually got the idea of the show because I was watching Fox News, and um, they have a commercial on called, I'm giving them a plug, called Relief Factor. And you see all these people come on and, uh, you know, Relief Factor, I've taken it, you know, and now all of a sudden I've got my Voom back and this and that and something else. Uh, You always have to wonder about things like that because people are paid to say it and uh, whether or not it really works. But be that as it may, the one of the people that were on it were Mark Spitz. And I didn't even realize it was him because he doesn't look anything like he did back in, in the 70s. Mark Spitz was this handsome heartthrob guy who won all these gold medals, uh, for those of you who remember and don't, uh, on the Munich Games back in 1972, which... Uh, really were marked by uh, tremendous tragedy as the Israeli team was uh, assassinated, basically murdered uh, uh, in the Olympic Village and also at the airport at West Germany. That was in West Germany at the time, Munich. Uh, The West Germans were so excited about showing the world the Olympics, and uh, unfortunately it's remembered not by Mark Spitz and not by Dave Waddle, who uh, was the cap bespeckled guy who uh, captured everybody uh, in the uh, uh, track and field, but is remembered really as a as a as a terrible 
uh, day, but we wanted to talk a little bit about Mark Spitz, and we are an educational radio show, so I wanted to bring it back, and uh, Mark is uh, still around, living in Los Angeles, and, you know, he was really the precursor to a lot of these uh, Olympians today, particularly Michael Phelps, who, you know, has demolished, basically, Mark Spitz's records, but for the most part, uh, Spitz was probably would be had been remembered more had the uh, atrocities not happened at Munich. And I, I remember uh, very, very well, ABC had the Olympics then, and uh, the great uh, Jim McKay, uh, who uh, they, they covered the murders all night. Chris Schenkel was part of that. And uh, I remember Jim McKay saying very forlornly, looking at the camera and saying, they're all gone meaning that the uh, standoff at the airport in Munich, uh, they had a shootout. They uh, basically, uh, the West Germans handled it all wrong. Uh, today, you know, we have much more sophistication in our security because of 9-11. Uh, this was, you know, well before that. Nobody thought that there would be anything like this. And uh, the West German police really were, were really ill-equipped, uh, both uh, training-wise and, uh, you know, other areas to be able to uh, uh, quell this, this attack by these uh, Black September group. They had that famous picture, and you'll see it on our uh, slideshow, of the Black September member standing outside on the balcony of the uh, Olympic complex uh, of the Israelis with the hood on over his head. And, uh, you know, just a tragic day as uh, we'll remember that. But Mark Spitz, want to talk a little bit about him, and that's really why I got the idea. I thought, wow, you know, Mark is still around, and he's taken relief factor. And um, it was basically 50 years, um, and if he had a mind to, Mark Spitz could have celebrated on a far grander scale. Uh, he could have whooped it up with coaches and teammates, his legion of fans, who were uh, everywhere in Munich, but he wasn't a party animal, and even in this night of uh, triumph, he wouldn't become one. Nine days of pressure, actually four years of pressure, had been lifted from his shoulders, leaving him relieved and happy, but with emotions in check. For him, uh, the late-night dinner at the German restaurant would be a celebration enough, and he had ended his career in glory shortly after 9 p.m. on Monday, September 4th, 1972, in the final swimming event at Munich, the 400-meter medley relay, Spitz entered the water for the last time, swimming the butterfly leg, and he helped propel the U.S. team to victory, completing a personal feat that redefined perfection. Seven events, seven gold medals, seven world records. And afterward, he changed into street clothes and was surrounded by well-wishers in a hallway of the Olympic uh, area. And he was handsome and with a recently uh, acquired jet black mustache set off by a movie star smile. He accepted congratulations. He signed autographs and he posed for photos. And finally, the crush of admirers thinned and, um, you know, we knew Spitz well and he knew uh, everybody there well and they invited him uh, to dinner. And uh, he was uh, an everyday guy, much like Michael Phelps and some of the other athletes of today. You know, nothing on a grandiose uh, basis. But it was interesting because after uh, 
Munich. Munich also afforded a chance for redemption for Spitz. Four years earlier in Mexico City, as a callow, wisecracking 18-year-old, he had boasted that he would win six gold medals, and instead he choked, uh, winning two as a member of the U.S. relay teams while setting for a, uh, settling for a silver and bronze in individual events, and he was ridiculed by some of his own teammates. And the Munich massacre shattered what, to that point, had been a joyous Summer Olympics, an event intended to put a more humane face on Germany. In contrast to the previous Olympics held in Germany, if you remember 19, the notorious games in 1936 that glorified Hitler and reeked of racism and anti-Semitism, the Munich Olympics were friendly, open, and relaxed, probably, as we know and have found out, too relaxed. You know, that interesting uh, situation in 1936, um, the Nazis were in power in Germany. They were really just getting kind of started. And before uh, that, they moved all of their anti-Semitic Jewish signs from Berlin. Uh, Hitler didn't want anybody to see what he was really up to. And there was a, a young... Uh, athlete there named uh, from America named Jesse Owens. Not to get off uh, of Mark Spitz, but I just wanted to make the side uh, comment. And Jesse Owens uh, really kicked butt in that Olympics and uh, was also a situation where uh, Hitler, the Fuhrer, was in Olympic Stadium there in Berlin, and every country dips their flag to the president or whoever leader is there representing the country of the Olympics. And America never dips their flag to anyone. And so as the American team went by, they didn't dip their flag, nor did they really look at Hitler. And that pissed him off to a great deal. He was hoping that his Aryan athletes, the blue-eyed, blonde-haired Germans, would be able to uh, win all the medals, and he was sadly mistaken when Jesse Owens kicked ass and uh, became world famous in that Olympics. And uh, unfortunately, some, what, 40 years later, Munich once again uh, rears its uh, ugly head, and I don't mean Munich in the sense that they were responsible but it was the area, once again, in Germany that caused uh, the great anti-Semitism. Mark Spitz was Jewish, and he had to be taken out, actually, after he probably could have won more medals. Uh, but the United States was concerned that he was Jewish and that they didn't know what would happen, and so he was removed uh, from the Olympics before it actually ended. Uh, but we do recall that 36 Olympics, and, you know, like I said, it was a, a, a redemption for Spitz. So... Uh, on arrival in Munich, he determined to keep uh, his foot out of his mouth, as he did in Mexico City, and he announced that he wouldn't talk to the press during the swimming competition, but win or lose, would hold a press conference after his last event. And until then, reporters bristled at many times he told them no comment. And his press embargo was happy to learn didn't apply to some members of the press. And so there were certain people there that Mark Spitz uh, would talk to because he knew that uh, they probably would keep it to themselves at least until the Olympics were over. So, you know, when you look at what, uh, what he accomplished, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty much an incredible uh, ordeal there for him. You know, it wasn't just the Munich Games 
uh, been planning to stay out of Munich for a couple of more days, but Olympics and U.S. officials had decided that for security reasons, and I, this is what I had mentioned before, it would be best for him to leave that very day. Uh, this was uh, right before the Olympics. And so the phone in the hotel room was constantly ringing. And once Mark's dad, Arnold, answered and told Mark it was a reporter for the Associated Press, he he knew he should talk and asked uh, to help his uh, prepare the statement. So a few hours later, Spitz landed from Munich in London, and before proceeding to the U.S., Mark posed for a German magazine for the iconic poster of him, hands on hips in a star-spangled swimsuit. You may have seen that. We don't have that on our site, but uh, that was one of the uh, poses that he did. And following a one-day suspension of competition and memorial ceremony in the Olympic Stadium, the Games resumed. And so eight months later after that, Spitz married Susie uh, Weiner, a former UCLA student and sometime model he had been fixed up with shortly after the games and before the nuptials, uh, the editor saw the impending marriage as a good time to do a cover story on the way Spitz's life has changed since the Olympics. And during the visit, uh, aboard Mark's new 39-foot schooner, Sun Mark 7, he was excited that some of his Indiana teammates were coming to the wedding. Uh, and so Spitz uh, and uh, Mark and Susie Spitz had been married 49 years and have two sons. Mark reportedly has done well in real estate. And uh, when you ask him what was up, he said he'd been giving speeches. Uh, he has been uh, basically talking about uh, at one point becoming a dentist, uh, which uh, did not materialize. And uh, unfortunately for him, he was a person in those days, you know, you weren't really allowed to do much as far as merchandising. I mean, Michael Phelps, uh, the Olympic swimmer now, you know, of the, of the recent times, has become a multimillionaire, as has Simone Biles and some of the other uh, athletes, because the uh, change in the Olympic venue as far as allowing uh, merchandising uh, has changed. And uh, that was not the case. You know, you remember way back when uh, the great Jim Thorpe actually had all of his Olympic medals from 1912 in Stockholm taken away because he played uh, a baseball game that he got paid, I believe, $12 for. And that's how strict it always was. So Mark Spitz really missed out, even though some of his investments have been uh, successful, particularly in real estate. And uh, he's living a fairly comfortable life in, outside of Los Angeles. Uh, you know, he, he missed out on a lot of the uh, deals that have come forth now for some of the other uh, athletes, unfortunately for him, and unfortunately for people like Jim Thorpe, you know, who, who actually uh, lost all of his medals uh, because of it. He was the star of the 1912 Stockholm Olympics. And, you know, it's interesting, Jim Thorpe, uh, as great as he was, uh, the king of Sweden, I believe it was King Gustav, said to him uh, personally, he said, you, sir, are the greatest athlete that I've ever seen. And basically uh, Thorpe looked at him and said, thanks, king. You know, I mean, you would think that he would say something of great stature, but uh, Jim Thorpe just basically uttered those two words. And uh, uh, there he sits, the great Jim Thorpe, in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, which I believe was pronounced at one point Monschonk. I apologize if I've said that wrong, but uh, uh, they got the uh, remains of Jim Thorpe 
and when you come into the town, it's a very small town, um, kind of a provincial town in the Pocono area of Pennsylvania. When you drive in, uh, you pass the uh, actual grave. It's kind of a monument of uh, Jim Thorpe, and uh, they have some uh, statues around of him running a football. Very, very nice area. Uh, you can't miss it because it's the main road coming in, and that's the claim to fame for him. There has been uh, a lot of uh, conjecture that Oklahoma uh, was uh, in the process of suing uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, to be able to get his body back to Oklahoma, where I believe that's where he was born. And the town uh, agreed to change the name to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. But he is, uh, you know, one of the great athletes of our time. And that's really his memento to the world. He didn't make money either as far as endorsements, and he was the star of the 1912 Stockholm uh, Olympics, as uh, Spitz was in the 1972 Munich Games. And so, you know, when you... Uh, when he won his final gold medal in 72 Olympics, you wondered whether he had heard uh, Spitz having, uh, uh, you know, uh, all of the problems that he had in those Munich games. And so he, as I said, he didn't get a chance to finish um, because of being Jewish. They took him out, as I had mentioned before. And so, there, you know, there were other kind of sad things that happened in that Olympics. Um, one of them was the two athletes that uh, they were track uh, and field star runners. Uh, I don't recall their names exactly. Um, I think one of them was Eddie Hart, if I can remember correctly. Uh, I can't remember the other uh, athlete. But their coach got the times wrong for them to compete and they were eliminated, they were disqualified. You know, all the work, all the years of training that Olympians uh, do, you know, and the, the, for a long time, I'm not sure if it happens now. Uh, it may happen now. I think it does because a lot of, uh, uh, you know, well-intentioned Olympic athletes usually are supported by companies endorsing them, particularly the ones that look like they have a chance to do something in the Olympics, even if they haven't made the team yet. And so, you know, what happens a lot of times in uh, the situation is that uh, America did not always, uh, in the past, uh, pay for a lot of the Olympians. And so, you know, the, it was uh, for, for their expenses and so forth. A lot of them had to, to uh, do what they had to do to get there. Uh, and, uh, many of them... Uh, their wives worked or their husbands worked in order to support uh, the spouse uh, who, you know, had aspirations of getting to the Olympics. So, you know, things have changed certainly over the years. And uh, I think it's very interesting, you know, when you look at it, uh, that Mark Spitz, only four years before as a, as a brash 18-year-old, uh, he was 22 when he got into the Olympics, in Mexico City did nothing. You know, I mean, he, he, he bragged about, you know, winning this medal and that medal, and he had mentioned that he was probably going to win six medals. And uh, he said recently that he was totally embarrassed by uh, the situation where, you know, he had mentioned all of that. He, he blamed it on being a brash 18-year-old. And then turn around and become what he became, 
you know, having failed in the Mexico City games and yet turns around four years later from 18 to 22-year-old and just kicks ass, right, you know, one, after, one event after the next. And I think it was interesting because um, it was a handsome guy. And I think today had he uh, competed, let's say, in the next Olympics and did what he did in Munich, I think he certainly would have been much, much more celebrated than he was then. But um, I'd like to bring up people from the past. Uh, I think a lot of people today, you know, America is basically a younger country now, and, you know, we talk uh, about the football of the 60s and maybe early 70s before the first strike took place, and, you know, a lot of uh, younger uh, fans don't really acknowledge it. Well, you know, it's, football is where it is today. Well, it's really not. The game today is not the same. You know, the rules have changed. Uh, you know, we have all these uh, situations now where we cater to China and the NBA and, and this and that and, you know, uh, the politicalness of uh, athletes today. I think a lot of them don't even know what they're talking about, but they have to get out there and wear their shirts about discrimination and Black Lives Matter and the courts, uh, the basketball courts have uh, written all across them and, and racism and football players on the back of their helmet and racism. And in Green Bay, they have the same slogan in the end zone. Yeah, everything's changed. And even the playing today is not the same. I mean, in my view, uh, to get, you know, when you look at the NFL, I call it the NTL, the no-tackle league. Nobody knows how to tackle. I mean, when you think of football, you know, it used to be a game show and you would, somebody would say a word and you'd say something uh, as soon as you can in response to that word. And when somebody says football to me, I think tackling. I don't think about kicking because it's not really soccer, even though we call it football. Uh, I think of tackling, and nobody knows how to tackle. Uh, I've seen some of the worst tackling I've ever seen, and one of the reasons is they don't practice it because they don't want to get hurt. Different ball. Can you imagine Lombardi or imagine Hallis or George Allen? or Don Shul, any of those great coaches of the past, imagine not being able to tackle. Remember the famous Lombardi line uh, when he's, um, he's on the NFL films. Grab, grab, grab. We're all grabbing. What the hell's going on out there? Nobody's tackling. And they all kind of, Vince Lombardi wasn't the tallest guy, and some of those guys on Green Bay skied over him in height, and they all kind of put their heads down and tried to avoid him. Vince Lombardi couldn't coach today. He'd have a heart attack. The game has changed because coaches uh, are really now puppets more of the team than they are uh, general managers and running the team like uh, Lombardi and Howells and all those guys did. And in the same way, you know, the Olympics certainly has changed. Uh, we see it as now a money grab for athletes, and, you know, it probably should be. You spend years and years and years of training. Uh, athletes getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning and training, uh, you know, until probably uh, late morning, uh, spending money, skaters spending all kinds of money on uh, coaches and renting the ice, which is expensive. Uh, you know, so are they deserving? Yeah, sure. You're, you're deserving in a capitalistic society for what you're able to attain. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like the idea of Aaron Judge probably making over $300 million a year. To hit a baseball you know when we have firemen and police when we have teachers and doctors and educators who are paid far less 
but in the scope of things, being a capitalistic society, because baseball and sports brings in so much money, and the way the uh, contracts are written, collective bargaining, they call it, uh, they've agreed there was a time when owners uh, dictated everything in the reserve clause. You couldn't do anything when you signed with the team. The owner, unless he traded you, you played for the team. Unless he gave you a raise, you, you were paid what you, you, what you were paid. And then all that changed in the late 60s with Kurt Flood and uh, the lawsuits and the uh, collective bargaining agreement between now players and owners. Owners can't do anything without uh, the acknowledgement of players. And, of course, you know, the NBA bringing in 30-plus billion dollars a few years ago in a new contract uh, allows – uh, players to be paid handsomely, a king's ransom, Mike Frances used to say. And so things have changed, certainly. And, uh, you know, for Mark Spitz, uh, you know, one of the great names in Olympic history. You know, we think of some of the great names before, you know, Peggy Fleming and uh, Nadia Komanich, you know, the uh, boxers of the, the Spinks brothers, uh, you know, all the great boxers that we've had, 1960 in Rome, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, 64 in Tokyo. We had Joe Frazier, 68 in Mexico City, where Mark Spitz was first really gotten his taste of Olympics. Uh, you had George Foreman, you know, we had Dwayne Bobbick. We had all these major, major boxers who, you know, because of the Olympics were able to have uh, great professional careers and made uh, millions and millions of dollars. Some of them are not with us anymore, unfortunately, like Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Uh, George Foreman's still around. Now he's still making his commercials. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, what's happened is this was an Olympics that was supposed to show the world uh, Western Germany, free Germany, uh, we can put on these games. We can do it in style. Uh, we welcome all. And the whole thing backfired uh, with this Black September group uh, killing the Israeli team, taking them hostage. Uh, the scenario goes to the Munich airport where there's a shootout. As I said earlier, the uh, West German police were ill-equipped, uh, not so much in equipment but in skill and training to be able to deal with these terrorists. And this Black September group really was a precursor to uh, the uh, terror that we had uh, over the years, uh, as well as the finale of uh, 9-11, which was, of course, uh, a day, as uh, Roosevelt would say, would, would live in infamy. You know, the assassination of uh, JFK, Pearl Harbor, uh, the disaster that that was, um, you know, uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, the uh, explosion of uh, the atomic bomb and the, and the killing of, you know, hundreds of thousands of Japanese, but then it did end the war. Uh, those things uh, come to the forefront. And so when we look at uh, the Olympics in general, certainly has changed over the, uh, the period. But I wanted to bring up uh, the situation with Mark Spitz still around, uh, doesn't look anything like he did before. You know, when you see him, if you if you go on Fox News, if you watch Fox at all, because uh, Relief Factor 
this particular product that's supposed to end your aches and pains uh, is basically advertised on Fox. And uh, you'll see different people. You'll see, uh, you know, people who have used it. Uh, uh, Joe Piscopo is on there, and now he's a new man because he uses it. No more aches and pains. And Kathy Lee uh, Gifford uh, of uh, television fame, she's on there. She's got her vavoom back, she says. And Mark Spitz, of course, uh, you know, he, he's now uh, ready to uh, get into the next Olympics because of uh, relief factor. But he doesn't look anything like he used to do. It's, it's amazing how he's changed. I'd, had, I not, had he not said his name at the end of the uh, uh, commercial, I wouldn't have known it was Mark Spitz. Unbelievable. But what he has done, what he accomplished, uh, really was uh, memorable. Seven gold medals, uh, a guy who cleaned up Munich and probably would have been even more successful had the uh, flames of hate not been uh, materialized. And so, uh, you know, we uh, uh, send a, uh, a, a tribute to uh, the great Mark Spitz and for his uh, accomplishments uh, in the 1972 Munich Games. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on Sports Beat Radio Talk today, talking about the Olympian Mark Spitz then and now. Uh, the winner of seven gold medals in the 1972 uh, marred Munich Games, games that will probably always go down into history and infamy uh, as uh, a very, very terrible time for the world. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Be safe. We'll talk to you again.